Welcome to Moonshine and Music. Today we're going to be remembering one of my heroes and a lot of people's heroes, Eddie Van Halen. It's going to be a killer show. We've brought on four really incredible independent guitar players, guitar lead guitar players um, that are, you know, some of the best guitar players that I know and um, that I'm actually friends with. Um, kind of, uh, you know, uh, in awe of how they play guitar and all of them have been influenced in some way by Eddie Van Halen, as have many, many other guitarists, musicians throughout the world. And I thought I'd get together some friends tonight along with our friend, the moonshine guru, Brentley Smith, to just talk about Eddie Van Halen, the music, the person, uh, the influences, our favorite songs. So stick with us right here because it's coming up now. This is Moonshine and Music with Joe Shelton. Wait a minute, that's me. Anyway, we're going to bring you some inspiring songwriters, musicians, and maybe some side challenges and other stuff around the music industry. So stick with us right now, because the show is coming your way. Woo! Woo! Moonshine and Music starts right now. Moonshine and music special edition today. We uh, we have several people here on Zoom with us, um, and what I've done today is I've invited uh, some spectacular guitar players. Now that yeah. doesn't include me and Brent Smith. We we are not spectacular guitar players, but the guys that I invited are some of the best guitar players that I know. And uh, today's show is a tribute to Eddie Van Halen, and we want to talk about Eddie and, and Van Halen in general. Uh, for today's show. Normally we do independent artist promotion kind of shows and uh, today, fuck all that, we're not doing an independent artist <laughs> at all. We're doing like one of the biggest mainstream artists that ever lived 
They and, all started um, independent, baby. They all that's right. Everybody, everybody started indie. He was, yeah, back in his garage or whatever back in the day. Um, but, um, you know, we all love Eddie. Everybody's been in, in, invited tonight to do the, to do the, the chat. And, um, I appreciate y'all coming here. I got, uh, Kit Haymond who is in the band Preston Black. Great fucking band. And, um, I've got, uh, C Tram Shackle who's in every band in the world. I think currently loiter, loiter sack. Right. I, I keep waiting for the call from the black eyed peas, but they're not returning my call. <laughs> and then uh, Mr. Todd Blower, who uh, plays in Joe Shelton and whatever the hell we're calling him this week as the lead guitar player. And um, and, and a little later, we may, have, may be joined by a, a special guest from Nashville, but we'll uh, we'll keep it under wraps in case he doesn't make it. But um, uh, so if somebody just jumps in here wildly, that would be it. And, uh, and of course, our co-host for tonight is uh, comedian Brentley Smith, who doesn't play any lead guitar, but, you know, loves to listen. So, <laughs> so that's cool. I, I guess I wanted to, um, to get everybody together and kind of, you know, uh, talk about uh, one thing that I think is a little bit of a phenomenon. This year, we've had a lot of people, uh, you know, especially celebrities pass away, but other people um in in our society is you know with the pandemic and everything and um you know a few of the celebrities come through and 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 you're like oh man i really love that dude and it kind of hits you a little bit hard and i gotta tell you man when um when i got this this thing came across my phone i was just instantly sad and i actually had grown man tears and um and i don't even you know I, i i wouldn't have expected that if somebody asked me three days ago hey man um if Eddie Van Halen died today, would you cry? I would be like, oh, I don't know, you know? <laughs> well, and see, not, not to hop in right at the intro, man, but that's one of the biggest things about Eddie is that regardless of who you were, he was a great guy. I mean, he was just a great guy, and he had so many, you know, he could be an asshole and he could be wild and all this, but, you know, they called him the Grin, didn't they? Wasn't that his nickname? Because he was just always smiling. Yeah, I mean, when he played, it was like, you know, he always had a crazy smile going, you know. It was like pure joy. And yeah, one of the cool things about him, even as someone who doesn't play, that you just tell how much he loved doing it. And that he yeah. was great at it, too. It was just like a bonus. He's just <laughs> in his own world doing that. It was always awesome to see him play and hear him. Yeah, I mean, you know, so um, that kind of effect to have on so many people, and I've seen it around, and I thought, hey, let's do a show about Eddie and, and talk about, um, you know, our favorite records or, or our favorite moments or favorite things in our lives that have happened with Van Halen in the background. Um, you know, whatever it is that, that might move us tonight. Um, I was going to kind of start off and say, Hey, you know, uh, guys, like, let's go around the room and say, what, what's, what's your favorite Van Halen, you know, song, you know, Eddie had a part in writing all of the songs that they wrote um as a band with the different iterations of them and everything you know no matter who the lead singer is or whatever the controversy over is which iteration's better it's all bs because it's all about eddie anyway you know (laughs) well and alex and alex well and alex but you know i mean they um you know eddie was you know such a driving force even with his own brother um that it it, it, you know said that he wouldn't be able to play with another band because he and he and Alex just had such a thing that a lot of the stuff that uh, Eddie was able to do he was only able to do it because he knew his brother was just going to be right on it right yeah I mean you know having a brother like that um that close you know Alex has got to be broken apart right yeah um (laughs) 
So, uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, what, let's, let's start off. Kit, what, 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 what's kind of your favorite thing, uh, favorite song, et cetera? Uh, I'd say my favorite song is Hang em High off of Diver Down uh, because the guitar work is just phenomenal, and it's just a crazy, crazy fast song. It's almost like a punk song or a metal song, but, like, the guitar playing is just over the top through the whole thing. And you can kind of tell it's just one take kind of deal you know that that whole diver down record is really special to me that was one of the first cassette tapes I ever owned I had a little Walkman I walked around the neighborhood where I grew up in Waldron Indiana a small town listening to that song all the time you would hear them do the kinks uh, cover where have all the good times gone and it goes right into hang them high and you're like whoa like you know that <laughs> I don't know that song still to this day man it's like it's like my jam you know I didn't know you were from Waldron. and I just played there at the start of the summer. That's cool. I did not know that. Dude, you play everywhere, I swear. <laughs> you played everywhere in this country. He will literally play anywhere with any band at any time. Just I'll yell. play a motherfucking Roach Motel. <laughs> sure. All right, here he is from uh, Tennessee, Nashville, Clarksville area. Welcome, Edwin Sloan, to the group. Hello, Hello Edwin. He's still connecting. Hello, Edwin. Welcome to Moonshine and Music. Hey there. Do you, do you have video? We'd love to see you as well. I'm trying. To, yeah, hold on. Let me see if I can get this thing going here. All right. There we are. All right. So uh, Edwin plays in a band called Neil Brock and the Cover Up. We've been friends for, what, 26 years or so? Um, yeah, that, that's yeah, 94, I think. Yeah, so. makes me feel old. Uh, I moved to Nashville. Yeah. What I just said was that all the guys that I've invited on the show, except for Brent Smith up in the corner there, who was a comedian and co-host of the show, all these other guys are all great guitar players. And and uh, and, and I uh, and I invited what you. I'm doing here then, right? <laughs> yeah, no, you you belong in in the group. Um, so uh, Edwin, uh, oh, this is Todd Blower. Guitar player? Was that a humble guitar player? He, he's a pretty <laughs> humble dude, actually. That they don't exist. I know. <laughs> That Todd Blower's down here in the corner. He plays in my band. And then uh, C. Tram Shackles in a group called Loiter Sack. And uh, Kit Heyman plays for a group called Preston Black. And um, all these guys are really good guitar players. So go ahead, Kit. You were talking about Hang Him High being your favorite tune. Uh, did you have more on that one? Uh, no, it's just a really badass fast track. And Alex is on fire. Michael Anthony's you know, backup vocals are phenomenal. Eddie's guitar playing is top notch and David's, you know, David, you know, David Lee Roth, Lee Roth. <laughs> yeah. So we were kind of going around and going, uh, you know, what's your favorite, um, tune Edwin, if you want to kick in next, that'd be, that'd be cool. Um, well, from Van Halen, it's going to have to be Panama. Yeah. I mean, it's just, <clears throat> that was my time, my era. I had the most fun during that time. I have so many memories from that era and that album, just everything. But I like so many things on that that Eddie's done. I remember. Just, how, uh, how, do you, how do you get one, you know? <laughs> I remember uh, like when I, when I first met you, we were at your place and you played Panama and mm -hmm. I was like, damn, that dude can really play. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. well, so, those, those early uh, those early Van Halen tracks were where you proved yourself in garages and living rooms back in the day. That's for sure, 
If you walk in a guitar and you started doing the intro to Hot for Teacher, you got the tits. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt about it. I like that one too. <laughs> hey, Todd, what's yours? Uh, um, currently, I, I generally I'm a fan of the heavier stuff. Uh, so I like uh, I like Mean Streets from the DLR area um, era uh, and. Um, I know it's off balance and people have issues with, uh, with balance sometimes is maybe not being their favorite record, but, uh, um, man, those drag triplets and, and everything that's going on at the end of, uh, don't tell me what love can do is pretty hip. Uh, so yeah, I, I dig the, the, the heavier stuff, I, you know, as, as a guitar teacher and, you know, I, I teach Panama all the time. Um, and it's, uh, <laughs> That, that one's got to be up there. Like, I mean, still to this day, you know, I can play it I, for, you know, students and, um, you know, it, it, it gets a, uh, gets a response way more than yeah. Mean Streets. But um, I don't know. Uh, mean Streets was just uh, a little angry and it was kind of fun hearing uh, Dave get a little angry. And uh, I mean, who doesn't want to hear Sammy it's a scream? Great. Right? Like, uh, yeah. So, yeah. And generally, um, I, I would say, like my favorite album was is probably for Unlawful Carnal Knowledge. I just think they uh, they were in a nice groove. Uh, Sammy's voice sounded sounded really really good. Like I feel like they gelled really well on that album. Everybody was kind of putting forth their best effort. I think Eddie was sober at that point still, and that, that <laughs> probably made made a pretty big difference. Uh, at least for the but, time while he was recording it, maybe. But, but can any of them ever be ever totally sober? I mean, for like decades afterwards, there had to be alcohol just coursing through at some level. <laughs> it's, I mean, I, it's not like I knew the guy, but and it always seemed like when, uh, you know, the, the guitar magazines would come out, there'd be either people, everybody, like you said, everybody loved him, but then there'd be these other guys that are like, yeah, but I don't really want to work with him. Cause, yeah. You know, <laughs> Yeah, it all seemed to come together, man. man that that album, uh, it's it's probably the only uh, oh, that one in nineteen eighty four. It's probably the only ones I could really listen to all the way through and just kind of chill and you know uh, dig every track. Okay, Siege, let me hear it. Oh, this one might kind of surprise you, and maybe it's because of where I am right now. Because the album I'm doing right now is kind of my tribute to all my guitar gods, you know. So Eric Johnson and Al Di Miola and all that. And so the fact that one of the biggest guitar gods is kind of passed right now is kind of meaningful, I guess. But um, you know, back then there were so many players that Eddie, for me, was in the category that I always respected the shit out of them. But I had other guitar players that's you know whatever. But I always thought that his since he was self-taught. You know, he didn't learn music. He just figured out how to be him. He was the most unique uh, guitar player of the time. And so that leads to this answer. My favorite album and my favorite track is on one of their least favorite albums, and it's the OU812 album. And so when I heard Eddie do the guitar lick and finish what you started, the little country lick that he does. It blew my fucking mind. And I sat in front of the speakers for hours trying to play it. And it was just so flowy, you know, cause you were expecting to have that big whammy dive bar to start the solo and some fucking tappy tappy shit. And he just went Nashville. He <laughs> <laughs> did. Yeah. One, two, one, two.
So, and, and that whole album in particular, you know, he was talking for Unlawful Carnal Knowledge, which is dope, and all their albums are dope. And, you know, they're in that category where every album's good, right? But um, in OU812, it's almost like they were trying really hard to change their vibe. And so, like, in Mine All Mine, you know, Mine All Mine, you know, that song was so trippy. So, anyway, that's my answer. I, I just, I love that lick in uh, Finish What You Started. Well, Brent, uh, non-musician up there, just fan and comedian. Yeah. Um, actually, I went to college with a guy from Panama. And he's one of my good friends there. <laughs> has nothing to do with the song. It's just he's a Panamanian, so <laughs> I'd rather mention that. Um, I got two for different reasons. I'm Musically, I mostly I'm kind of like a sap for love songs. So the Why Can't You Be Loved is a nice you know, power ballad. And then, you know, like their biggest version went jump. It's a little extra special to me because after my parents split up, I didn't see my dad for a while. And then I started seeing him a little bit more regular. And then that song was popular and something we kind of sang uh, to the radio in the car when, you know, when we hang out a little bit. So um, I just like, I was looking at some stuff today just about Eddie and, you know, the history of the band. And I, I forgot that some of the, their songs were their songs because they've had you know different lead singers and everything. I said, like, "Oh yeah, that's theirs too." And then you know thinking about it a little bit, I said, "Okay, I'll, it makes sense with just the style and then hearing the music behind it." It's just amazing how you know successful you know the band was with so many different parts. Most bands are driven by the like the lead singer, and this one definitely wasn't. Yeah, it was Eddie and Alex. Yeah. Well, you know, um, mine is uh, definitely going to take a a left turn from you guys a little bit. Uh, My favorite Van Halen song is Dreams. Mm -hmm. And um, and it's uh, uh, one one of the things that I, when I, I I liked Van Halen, you know, growing up until uh, the 1984 album came out. And then I loved Van Halen. That album, like, Mm -hmm. defined a whole different uh, turn because... Eddie showed that he was not only like a guitar virtuoso, but really a keyboard virtuoso. <laughs> I mean, he gets way not enough credit for the catchiness and the coolness of the keyboard licks and the innovation of playing synthesizers and taking them into a whole different level of people paying attention. You know, um, a lot of the time synthesizers were played and stuff. They're just background music or whatever. And he took one and, and did the song jump and just put it right out front, yeah. like right in front of everybody and said, I got, I got a mad synthesizer thing that you'll never forget. You'll never forget the sound of ever. And then um, when 5150 came, which I really think that Van Halen, uh, it, it was two different groups and they had two of the best debut albums ever, like of any bands. <laughs> <laughs> and those two debut albums were the first Van Halen album and 5150. And um, the, they, they, both of them just defined what they were going to be. You know, um, when, when, they, when, they, when they were Van Halen with David Lee Roth, Van Halen, that album just defined them as, hey, this is Van Halen. They didn't need to name it anything else. And, and when they came out with 5150, it was like, we're a new band and um, <laughs> we kick ass, <laughs> you know, and we'll play all sorts of crazy shit. And you'll, you know, you'll just like it because we're just going to be what we are. And, um, and, and I love that about them. I love the attitude that, you know, when they brought Sammy in, he didn't have an attitude of, 
you know, uh, intimidation from David Lee Roth whatsoever or any of that. He's like, Hey, we're a whole different band. We can call it Van Halen if you want, but we are what we are, you know? suffering fools or weaklings you know and so many bands get together and you know you feel like metallica you know when jason newstead joined metallica they basically just destroyed the guy from the ground up and said you ain't metallica motherfucker you know and shit like that but like you didn't get into van halen if you couldn't drink a handle of whiskey and fuck four broads in a day and go down to you know mexico and shit <laughs> and so you know it should be it should be no surprise that sammy could have fit right into that because they wouldn't have let any other motherfucker in you know yeah so. I mean, I remember um, to, your, to your point, can you think of another band that could get away with that? Their band's Van Halen. You know, can you think of it? Like, could you see like a band called Bono, you know, or a band called fucking whatever, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you mean just named after the, the people in it? I mean, yeah. like Bon Jovi. Like Bon Jovi. Yeah. Bon Jovi's definitely one. They get away with it. Yeah, I guess. Bon Jovi, like the rest of the band, are technically his employees the way they have it set up. Like they don't want to share everything. He just pays them to be his backup man. Yeah, you know, yeah, I, I, I would, uh, you know, uh, say that the the difference is is definitely real between like someone like Bon Jovi and 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 Van Halen in terms of um, it, it it being such a cult of personalities and not just one. You know, like the whole personality of the band, uh, you know, and, and, and in both eras being different, um, you know, because the, there, there's a whole like back and forth battle in the in the Van Halen like fandom of, you know, v Van Halen versus Van Hagar or whatever, <laughs> you know, it constantly be there. I mean, and, and, and I love them both. I mean, um, uh, my story about that, you know, I was trying when I was talking before. When uh, when I came into really loving Van Halen, my brother and I, um, he's eight years older than me, and we both really liked Van Halen, and we really loved Sammy Hagar, the solo artist, like literally. Mm -hmm. And so when the um, 
when you know it's they when it came out that they that Sammy was going to be the lead singer, we were like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to like this at all because we're only going to have one of them, you know. Like we were, we we were like we're losing a band here, you know, because <laughs> because we're not going to have Sammy solo records anymore. We're just going to have you know whatever Van Halen is with it, you know. And uh, yeah, so that was Van Halen. Van Halen to be taken super seriously had to punt David Lee Roth, and you know, and you can almost hear Eddie's mind. You know, here's this guy that's doing these complexities that you know whatever, and then he's got like you know Dave, and that's cool. Dave's cool, but he was you know, but I mean, he was kind of a one trick pony. You know, it was like, look at me, I'm in tights and I'm jumping around and I can hit these high notes, but there's not, you know, and Eddie at one point was probably kind of like, dude, you know, I want to be known as like a composer, not just some, you know, fireworks show. So music definitely got more sophisticated after Hagar joined. Yeah. Like a lot better, really. <laughs> I and, feel and like David see, Lee I'm more of the, the early Van Halen fan myself. So I, I like the, the DLR. Era, only because it was more of a party. It was a party atmosphere. They were they were the definite. You look in the book of cool. That was them. They were there. That was the picture. Yeah. I mean, that was just it. And I mean, it, nobody was cooler than that band. And no matter what they did, no matter how drunk they got on stage, <laughs> that was it. I mean, they were they were the coolest. And they well, could and get away with anything. Either, either <laughs> era of them is great. I wasn't saying it was bad when they were with David. Yeah, Rob. just me. Yeah. It's just me though. I just. My yeah. own personal, but yeah, it did get more sophisticated. It got more pop. It got it turned it turned a different picture to me. I don't have the same party feel with yeah. the Van Hagar uh, era. Well, I don't know if that if that's definitely uh, get more serious on lyrics. That's oh sure. yeah, definitely. and they got older, you know. Also, a little bit mm -hmm. of that had to be in there, you know. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. It, you know, you you aren't twenty three forever, right? And it wasn't quite and, the brown sound anymore, you know. Uh, that was that was gone, kind of gone now. Then you know, he had different guitars, different everything. Uh, well, I remember uh, I've I've seen this thing where uh, Eddie is uh, talking about his uh, amps, like he's trying to sell amps because he sold amps like later in life. <laughs> but he had uh, he had this little video, and it was uh, interesting that he was like, "The reason I keep developing these new amps." is not because I really want to make money off of them as much as I just want, I'm, I'm an endless search for new tone. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I wonder what you is. guys, you know, as guitar players think of that, like Kit, what do you, what do you, are you on an endless search for new tones? Every day, every day, constantly. I'm always trying different guitars, buying different guitars. I'm never, I, I'm satisfied sometimes with my tones and stuff, but, um, you know, I'm always looking for something different or to make my playing better, I guess, or different than what I'm used to. I'm just always trying to search for something to get better in some ways or, you know, do things I'm normally not used to. Like right now, I never used to use any pedals. It was always just distortion. Some, And it's always built into the amp and reverb built into the amp. I never used any pedals or anything like that until recently I started using pedals to make my playing a little bit more different than I'm used to or going a different direction with my playing. But yeah, um, as far as amps go, I'm never experimenting, experimenting with amps. It's always guitars, 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 whether it's trying to use P90s. Do I like P90s? I, one week I like mini humbuckers. Then another week I like regular humbuckers. One week I want a Les Paul. Then I want a Jazz Master. I keep going back to the Jazz Master. It's a never-ending circle of hell. <laughs> Each knows. You should see Siege's guitars. They're always got some tricks on it. I and uh, 
you know, I really like guitars with a lot of trickery though, like B benders and stuff like that. And Eddie was the king of trickery. Yep. Like with his guitars. You know, you looked at stuff, some things didn't even do anything. You know what I mean? He just had things glued on his guitars, like something well, I, on that guitar does something. That's like a Van Halen thing anyway, because Alex has that damn gong back there. Some bitch never <laughs> hits it. Yeah. <laughs> I've been to eight Van Halen concerts and never saw him hit the fucking gong. And you That's know the road crew's got to be like, dude, there's a gong back here. We're carrying it in at every arena. Hit the sucker. Just hit it once. We don't care. Come <laughs> on. Well, you know, every every guitar player here can say that when Eddie Van Halen first came out, there were months and months of all of us just trying to figure out what he was doing to get that sound. Because that sound was a foreign entity in the guitar yes. world when he came out. It, it was so clean. It was, it was so clean. dirty. Yeah. Yeah, you can talk about that, Nashville. <laughs> I wasn't born yet. Uh, <laughs> well, when he came out. <laughs> when you first heard him, maybe, maybe we'll go with that. I'm like the same age as Wolfgang, his son, probably around his age. Hmm. Well, yeah, there's an interesting topic. I mean, what do you guys, uh, you know, later in the band, I, I feel like Michael Anthony was a bigger part of Van Halen than anybody wants to admit in terms of because of his vocals, not necessarily oh, yeah. his bass playing as much as his vocals. And, uh, you know, Wolfgang uh, was there for the last few years when after Eddie kicked out Michael Anthony <laughs> when Sammy left the second time. But, um, you know, what do you, what do you guys think of that? Was, was, uh, was it uh, purely nepotism or do you feel like that Wolfgang was good enough to be the bass player in, in Van Halen? Mm -hmm. His name's Wolfgang, man. That's all we needed. I, yeah, think, you know. I think Wolfgang is, is definitely talented enough to be in in any project i mean i've seen him play guitar in videos he's outstanding as far as a musician i mean look he's got the best he had the best teacher in life that you could ever have as a guitar teacher in my opinion uh, but um, i also think michael anthony is an incredible bassist as well as background vocalist i mean there there are some bass lines that are really difficult if you listen to those van halen songs or if you just ever watch him play live and Michael's always in that pocket. I think he's incredible. I mean, as a band, they were definitely a force. You know, they were unstoppable. And, you know, changing lead singers, they were, and going through what they went through, they were just always on top of the world, you know, it just seemed like to me. And they even survived the 90s when a lot of those bands in the 80s, you know, were, got kicked to the wayside because of grunge music. Van Halen was still out there playing stadiums. You know what I mean? All through the nineties. Well, I mean, they put out balance and, um, and, and that was just a, it was a number one record right in the middle of the grunge era, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, mm -hmm. and, and I remember Sammy, uh, speaking about that. They were like, well, do you think that the grunge is going to hurt? And he like, right at the start of the one they were launching the record, he said, no, man, if you're good, you're good. That's just the way this is. <laughs> You know, that's the kind of confidence that they had, you know, the kind of He's swagger. Trends come and go by that time. What's that? He had seen a few trends in music come and go by that time. Oh, so yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, you know, well, and, that, and that really speaks to that vivaciousness of Eddie Van Halen, you know, that sheer, we were talking at the start about how you could just tell he loved to do it. You know, the bands that kind of went to the wayside or disappeared were all the ones that were trying to be super hyper technical and serious and all this stuff. And sure, Van Halen got serious too with like right now and songs like that or whatever. But, you know, it, people knew that Eddie was playing just from every fiber of his being. He wasn't like, I'm now playing a Lydian scale and I, that I've practiced 5,000 times. The dude could do ninjas do shit that you would have to like try for four hours at home to, and he would just do it on the fly, <laughs> you know? And you'd just be like, I want to watch that. Me off. <laughs> <laughs> it pisses you off, Edwin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I remember hearing eruption the first time going, I didn't think it was humanly possible. I didn't know what I was listening to. You know, you hear it on the radio. You can't see it. You're just going, what is happening? What's going on here? I mean, what that sounds, it sounds like magic, you know. <laughs> and then you see it. You go, oh, what? <laughs> He's doing what? Hey, you oh, never yeah. felt like you were getting prepackaged hot dogs with Eddie, you know? <laughs> yeah. mm. yeah, someone the, the wackiness of his style. was crazy. Mm-hmm. He had some uh, unusual uh, timing kind of things oh, that he yeah. would do. Uh, for those of you out there who can play uh, Panama, there's a, there's a couple like where, you know, one is. Uh-huh. It, can be, it can be difficult unless you're, you're working with a drummer who can count pretty well. But mm-hmm. it does speak to uh, Kip's point about how good uh, Michael Anthony was. Uh, the guy does get, um, or is, I guess, um, he kind of gets a bad rap, uh, but, you know, uh, he held a lot together harmonically uh, for Eddie to go bonkers over the top of, uh, because clearly for all his drinking and whatever, he could count <laughs> and he would come in on time and he knew where all those wacky, you know, like, okay, we're changing on, you know, the end of three or whatever. All right, let's do this. Um, yeah, it's. And I think great. that. I think that I have so much respect for that uh, after having recorded albums with the, uh, the timing of uh, like oh, Michael Anthony being able to come in on, on those weird things. Cause you know, uh, as someone who has timing struggles myself, sometimes when I'm trying to put some thing together, that's weird, it's hard to get drummers and bass players to want to do some of that wacky, you know, Hey, we're not going to play all of the things here. And, and really, um, the, the brilliance of the rhythm section of Van Halen is that they made it sound just like a straight up rock tune. Yeah. So unless you yeah. are counting, you know, like you don't realize, you know, that, that they just did something, you know, fairly sophisticated, mm-hmm. but they would hide it underneath coolness, you know, and just, and it would sound <laughs> slightly different, but you weren't quite sure why. Um, when, when I got into really studying Eddie, um, uh, 15, 16, somewhere in that neighborhood. Um, I, I struggled with timing and I would read these tabs and I, you know, like every, I, I, I could barely, you know, conceive of the idea of a sextuplet and he's, he's putting sevens and nines and things together that were, you know, just out of my league at that point, quite frankly. So, and, and that might be one of the best points made because to dovetail on what he's saying, because he's absolutely right. Eddie Van Halen could play a simple pentatonic lick, but the way he played it was mind numbingly difficult. 
you know, it would be like 14, 12, 14, 12, 14, you know, maybe a drop minor to 11, you know, fretboards and shit. But he played it with a rhythm that you were like, I can't. That, that flow, you know, that fluidity with which he played the most simple of things. Well, back to my point about him as a keyboardist. If you are someone like me who can play dreams on a keyboard, um, it's an insane thing to play. Like, it's not what you would really, you know, a, a piano teacher would go, no, no, you're not playing that shit like that. What are you doing? You know, and it's just a crazy riff. And, and you know, and the thing that boggles my mind is like, you know, I've played it with Todd and Todd's playing it on a guitar and I don't even know how he makes that happen because it's such a weird thing in the way that it's structured, you know? Um, and, uh, you know, I've, I've, um, I've always been in awe of his keyboard skills because he would do those just crazy hard, you know, your, your hands have to really stretch and move and to hit on those notes and make it sound exactly like him. And if you don't make it sound exactly like him, it always sounds like a failure. <laughs> well, and, and this will be like my last major point and then I'm going to kind of shut up or whatever. But what you just said, Joe, is perfectly about Eddie. And that's the genius. Everybody knows that Eddie Van Halen was a genius, right? And so he just got bored with convention. And the thing that I identify with Eddie the most of is he was never content. You know, he, he just like if, if he played a simple lick, he, he wanted to make it extraordinary. If he had a riff, he wanted to toss something in there that made you go, wee, that was a fucking giggle, you know. And so that's my favorite part of Eddie is he was never content with ordinary, you know. Yeah, I, I, will put, say that I put him in the musical background. Um, like I'm not good enough or, you know, practice up to call myself a musician, but a little bit of a percussionist and just – I've always appreciated timing and then even, you know, once I got into comedy, there's a similar rhythm with that. And I, I didn't realize that I was appreciated when I heard it, like when I was younger, but after hearing stuff when I was like, okay, like, you know, I can, you know, I can tell that that's like crazy, ridiculously hard. Like, I don't understand it, but I appreciate it. And, you know, it's fucking awesome. I put him in the same category as Les Paul, someone like Les Paul. Les was always chasing new sounds, different ways of building guitars. And Eddie and Les were so similar as far as personalities go with chasing sound. That's kind of what I, I see Eddie as. And both Eddie and Les Paul are my heroes as far as guitar players. That's probably who I drew the most influence from is wanting to be a guitar player. So I want to shift gears a little bit on the, on the favorite thing and talk about the live performances because, uh, you know, we talked about the recorded stuff. Uh, I, I personally went to see him, uh, see Van Halen eight times. Uh, one of those times being like monsters of rock in a, in a, in, in the Hoosier dome, which is a football stadium. I saw him in market Square <coughs> arena when I was 12 and it was the 5th of July. And I don't know who decided to book Van Halen in an arena around the 4th of July, but they were some kind of a sadist because there were fireworks and shit flying everywhere <laughs> inside the building. No, they, were, they were just somebody that loved boat <laughs> shit ton loads of money. I mean, <laughs> yes, it was crazy. And then, uh, you know, I, I remember I saw him with Edwin once uh, in Nashville. And I, I, I was telling him yesterday that I thought that was – the best time that I saw him, it like it was right after Eddie had had his hip replaced and he was super sober and, and he just knocked it out of the park that day. Uh, but you know, do you guys have a favorite performance or a, uh, you know, or a live thing or a, even a little story about one, um, that you've been to? 
I saw them in 2004 when they did the reunion with Sammy Hagar and uh, I was like 12 years old. My dad took me to see that show. And the one thing that I could say was Eddie was probably not on his A game during that tour. <laughs> every story I've heard, I know one person that saw them seven times that tour. He wore the same pants every night, supposedly, and didn't watch them. That was the <laughs> oh. whole story. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's, that's the rumor. That's got the tone. <laughs> that's, that's what it is. The brown but, side. I mean, and, but – but even Eddie at his worst is better than everybody's best. You know what I mean? That's the thing about him at the time. But I've also heard stories of people, you know, meeting him multiple times and how cool he was. And I've known guys that have got to have a little hang time with him, even though if it was like five minutes or something, he was always very nice. But uh, it's probably the loudest concert I've ever been to. And Michael Anthony's bass solo is probably the single loudest thing I've ever seen. And, uh, <laughs> You know, the brown sound is real, I think. That's for sure. You know, you speak about that. In 84, uh, at that show, one thing I do vividly remember about it is that they had brought in all these extra speakers and talked about how powerful it was, you know. And, and you know, they the, when they started up and started playing Ain't Talking About Love at the start of the concert, you couldn't hear them for the roar of the crowd. Like, that's how loud the freaking crowd was. It was insane. And... And so they just kept making their PA louder and louder and louder over the years. <laughs> like every time I went, they had more PA and it, you know, a part of it was that the crowd was so loud, you know, I, I, I actually think their last live record is one is really good. And most people don't like David's vocals on it, but I, I don't care. I really like that live record because Eddie in recent years after he had uh, really worked hard and cleaning up and really tried to, do you know do the best he can in life his guitar playing got phenomenal again back in his later years i mean you listen to the live cuts of his solos like watch that live in los angeles solo they played at the hollywood bowl in 2015 it's him playing eruption there is unreal and when he would play eruption it could be 18 or 20 minute solos just depends you know and it's just it's in nice. recent years his guitar playing is phenomenal just got really phenomenal and extremely clean. Um, it's like he never missed a step, you know. And I, I was really happy to see that he was doing so well later on in his life. After I had seen him, you know, I, I know he was going through a lot of struggles. And we also got to remember, you know, these guys are human beings. You know what I mean? We look at them as idols and stuff. But we've all had our downfalls of some sort. You know, we're just human, and that's what you realize when somebody like Eddie leaves this earth. You know, like you know, our heroes are gone, but you know, he was also someone's father, and he was also someone's best friend. It's just unreal. Like, you know, we think of him as a superhero, but in all reality, we're all just human beings. You know, and humans uh, being, you know, from the Twister soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) you know, it's just it's just great to see a guy go through so much, and you know, it's a crazy business too. go through so much and then just come out on top at the end of his career, you know, there, I, it's just unreal to hear the, his eruption solo on that last live record. I think it's really something special for sure. Cool thing is about, you know, art though is, you know, it lasts forever. So, you know, he's gone, but, you know, we still have everything that, you know, he's given us and, mm-hmm. and people that would never have, you know, come across him in the future, you know, born a hundred years from now, 
you know, they'll still be able to see how much of a genius he was. It's one of the cool things about art is it lives on. So, uh, forever, that's for sure. Hey, Edwin, you got any uh, live moments from, uh, the only live Van Halen show I saw was with you, Joe. So oh, unfortunately really? I didn't get to see him when I was younger. Yeah. So I was very happy to go to see that one. So that's why <laughs> I was like, Oh, so, uh, and I didn't get to see him later on either. I had all kinds of weird stuff going on in life, but <laughs> <laughs> I was thankful I got to go to that one. So well, that's no, awesome. I didn't I know that. Is be on a video. <laughs> uh, you didn't, uh, so Todd, what about you? Did you ever get to see him? No, I I I, I played a lot. <laughs> so what's I uh, <laughs> you know, uh, you guys know that you know once you start that, then you know <laughs> weekends are are done. Weekends so, are done. <laughs> done. Yeah. So no, I never uh, I never had a chance to to see him, but um, um. I remember when the the first live album came out, uh, I don't know, 92, 93, somewhere in that. Uh, was it uh, uh, was it live without a net? Was that what it was called, or was that the no? It was live right here, right now, or something like that. That one, yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember getting that one. Um, uh, I, I guess what I liked, and it's something I still do when I'm when I'm teaching kiddos now, um, is that it gave me a secondary thing to go to uh, to listen to. Uh, you know, whether he was going to stick to the solos note for note, or if he was just kind of making stuff up on the fly. Um, you know, I'm, I guess analytical by nature. So it was, uh, you know, uh, learn how to play the, the studio solo and then have something to compare it to that I could go back to back and forth. And when I was trying to learn it, you know, it would be like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm not a guy that's going to bother learning something live note for note or really even studio note for note if you're going to do it different live and trying to pick up the vibe. Um, you know, kind of trying to pick his brain, see what he was thinking, even in the moment, um, you know, uh, if he was, uh, uh, you know, going to stick to a solo or, or just go on a tangent, you know, in the middle of a song or something like that. So um, I feel like he was yeah. definitely a tangent kind of guy live. I mean, um, well, it would depend. Like you know, he would, he would. He had certain themes that he stuck to, but then right. you know, it, it would roll it's into very something. almost like jazzy in a way, you know. Uh, so, anyway, see. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Go guys, ahead, Todd. I'm gonna head out. I gotta lock up the studio. And uh, uh, hey, Todd, thanks for joining us tonight on the show. Hey, we appreciate it. Hey, man. Yeah. You had to, I know you had to Thank go. You. Thanks. Yep. So see, see you. Hey, Steve, um, what about yours, I, man? I'm kind of like with everybody else. Sadly, I never caught him. But like I said, you know, Eddie was always the guitar player I respected. But I couldn't say that like I, I really. I mean, I listened to him all the time, of course, because you couldn't avoid it, and I loved him. But I mean, I was in different people at the time. But the one, uh, the one thing I will say about a live sh video that I've watched probably a thousand times. And I don't know where it was or whatever, but it was one of these big shows, and they put the spotlight on him, and he had the cigarette on the headstock and all of that, you know, like he used to do. And one of the things Eddie's not really remembered for now because he's so known for his tapping and his harmonics and all that stuff, but he was probably one of the fastest fucking right-hand pickers that has ever lived. Um, 
you know, he, he would do that butterfly with his wrist and do, and he could do it clean, like every note. And there's some video floating around and you know, I'm a fingerstyle guitar player. And so when I want to do that, I can actually get super fast because I use two fingers to kind of like hit a single note. And I still to this day can't play as fast as Eddie Van Halen did in that video. And he's doing it with a pick upstroke, downstroke, upstroke, downstroke, like a butterfly. <laughs> and uh, whenever I'm just feeling kind of whatever, I, I go through my video list and I hit that and I just look at that because then he transitions down the neck. You know, so he starts doing this like hyper speed shit and then he goes seamlessly. <laughs> I mean, l- literally, if you put that into a computer and tried to process if there was an error of like time or beat or BPM, it wouldn't have existed. Does that make sense? And so even though I didn't see that live, I saw the live recording of it. And to this day, it's one of the most impressive things I've ever seen a guitar player do. Did you know that live, uh, erup- not, not live, but eruption recorded in the studio has mistakes in it. Mm. And they, they slow it down and you can learn it with the mistakes in it. They got it all on tab out there. Uh, he recorded it three times when the when he was just it was supposed to be a warm-up it wasn't supposed to be on the album mm-hmm. ted templeton heard him doing it as a warm-up said hey no he started recording said do it again made him do it three times and they picked the best one out of the three so that <laughs> and it has mistakes in it but it goes so fast you don't know yeah. it so. <laughs> it was cool and, about and back and back to that fluidity that i i, yeah. I just respect in the man you know because you know there's a lot of hyper technical players there's people that can do arpeggio sweeps there's people that can do all sorts of crazy stuff but to do it when it still has heart and it's sealed because he'd throw in like a blues lick in the middle of this like four finger tapping thing and then all of a sudden <laughs> there'd be like the delta blues like how you doing mama and you're like, hey, you're a white boy in, in spandex. You don't get to do that shit. That's too cool. <laughs> what, was, what was cool about when I saw him live, I can particularly remember, is when he did the guitar solo. And he did this about every show. He would mix in all of his guitar solo deals that he did on every record into one, one compilation into his solo for the night. Like you would hear Cathedral, which yeah. is one of my favorites. And, I was, I really loved hearing that live, you know, like it's just, it was just kind of mind blowing to hear him do that song. And then it goes into like Spanish fly and stuff like that. He would mix it all up into one thing. So it was really cool to hear him do that live and to actually see him do that. And I, I feel pretty privileged as far as getting to see them do that reunion. Cause it's the last time they did a reunion with Sammy Hagar and uh, I feel like it's going to go down in history as like, if you didn't see it, you really missed out kind of deal. Um, it was still <laughs> cool for me to see him. You know, they, he was my idol still is. Did you do that at Deer um, Creek? Cause I was at the show at Deer Creek that uh, on during that tour. Um, yeah. And then yeah. I, it was um, like, then I saw him later in the tour again in Fort Wayne, but. Um, was it any better? than that one um it, it was um, a little better they 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 um i i think they did a little better when they were in um a, just a different environment I, I the the uh amphitheater environment uh there at deer creek at that time wasn't like the same kind of it was more of a party vibe and i think sammy was more of a partier at that point and, de- and eddie definitely yeah. was and you, uh, I, I think they weren't really worried about the music as much as just making the crowd yell there, you know? <laughs> there were some points where Eddie was actually laying down on stage playing the yeah. guitar. Yeah, that he was, show in particular, he was messed if up. He remembered it right, but yeah. uh, he still he still kicked ass. You know, like 
he would still kick yeah. ass. You know, he could jump from the amp and lay down on the stage. He's still Eddie Van Halen. He's a, he's rock and roll, man. <laughs> you know, Iggy yeah. Pop, all those guys can do it. Eddie can do it. He, I agree. Definitely the man. I, one one of the things about um uh about Eddie was I love that they would have um on the stage like the stacks and stacks of these amps, right? That looked like they were, you know, like he literally had 300 amplifiers on the back of the stage. And you know that like only one of those was really an amp. And when he would start doing his thing where he needed it to like uh, feed back a little bit, he'd have to go find that amp, you know, in the, in the wall, <laughs> you know, and he, he'd kind of march over there and you could see him like slowly doing his thing, like down in front of three or four of them until he got, cause like he, even he couldn't tell, which one it was like you know as he was going and i always thought that was hilarious he did it like i saw it like two different shows where like he started on one end of it and kind of just worked his way down until he got to the one where he could make it feedback you think they put like a post-it note or some shit on it (laughs) you know like some big pink fucking post-it note that's like this one yeah, I mean, it's obviously a wall of fake amps because, I mean, he would have fell to the ground if all those were really amps behind him. <laughs> I played with the Kiss tribute band that did that same thing, a wall of them. <laughs> like real ones or? No, fake. All oh, fake. Okay. <laughs> a whole wall of fake ones. <laughs> there's, some, there's some YouTube video of like a Croatian band or something that's got fake amps and they all start blowing away because the wind's blowing out. <laughs> And like some dude had just been like fucking with a sharpie on cardboard making amps. You know? <laughs> oh, man. That's great. <laughs> well, um, live, but I've, uh, I went to like there's a radio station concert where they had like ten different bands, all like all national bands and artists, whatever. And uh, Lisa Loeb was one of them. And at the time, she's with Weasel Zappa. And then they did a thing where he came out and played with her. But he was playing like an Eddie Van Halen lick, like on one of Lisa Loeb's songs, and she's you know all folksy and everything. And it was just like awesome that like you know this like rad Van Halen lick like fit perfectly with this little folksy song, and it just made it just it was just like perfect. It was like just amazing that you know something like that crazy would fit with not just with you know, like with rock or whatever. Like that was like all right, cool. You know, that, well, you know that's of, a that's a great thing, thing that you're talking about there, which is the the influence that he had on on other groups and music was so much so that everybody was trying to work a little bit of whatever he did into their music in the 80s you know um one of the things right i mean one of the things that he would that uh that he brought about a lot of is the really super fancy lick in between verses of songs yeah. you know he would do that and then you heard like 19 other bands suddenly having like some really crazy fancy lick in between there, you know? But it's kind of funny when you ask me if I ever saw him live, my first gut response was going to be just every other concert I've ever been to (laughs) with with any guitar player, because you know, every, every guitar player throws out a fucking Eddie, you know, I invented the guitar God era. Yeah. Yes, sir. (laughs) The, The Floyd Rose is something that, you know, before him hardly, I, I don't know very many guitar players that were famous for using a Floyd before Eddie. <laughs> I mean, it was invented mm-hmm. probably right around the time he was, you know, starting to get popular. Yeah. I'd assume I'm not a historian on Floyd Rose Tremolo. Oh, oh. <laughs> you probably know, Siege. 
No, because you're the young one, I got to tell you, my first guitar had an original Floyd and my, my workhorse, the, the first, first year Floyd Rose, hands down, best fucking trim bar of all time. But on old scratch and where's Nashville uh, on old scratch, I've got an 83 Kaler and maybe mm. he'll be able to, right? Every anyway, guitar I have has a Floyd Rose or a Kaler on it. Uh, there every you go. electric guitar, every one of them. I, I, it's a requirement of mine. So <laughs> I have a, I have the first model GNL made with a Floyd Rose uh, from the late seventies, early eighties on it as well. Um, it's an F one hundred guitar, it's patent pending GNL. It's pretty cool. <laughs> well, I like only, that guitar. The only bad thing about those old Floyd Roses is you had to be Eddie Van Halen because I shit you not, those things rusted out in like three months. <laughs> Mine, mine's in pretty rough, rough shape that's for sure yeah but if you didn't have a billion dollars like eddie and like you could buy 50 of them <laughs> uh, i'm sure they were just sending to him for free in the mail mm. <laughs> buy this one what about the d the with the d tuna i've never actually had one of those on a guitar now what do you guys think of those because that's I'm, pretty I'm wild you mean uh, well, he also so had it on drop the, I've actually got one of those. I've never put it on a guitar because I use tremolo bars anyway. Got to lock it down. Yeah. But uh, I've got one that uh, from about a year ago that came in with a package deal. The guy I knew at Corner Music said, "Here, take this too." And so <laughs> I've got it sitting right there, ready to use it on some guitar one day when I get one without a tremolo, whenever that will be. I, I mean, I guess songs like um, probably Unchained is a. Mm. Probably uses that on it as well. Um, well. I know he has some funky system when he plays Summer Nights, and uh, I was gonna. Oh, that's a that Steinberger. A what? Steinbrenner, a uh, Steinberger uh, tremolo that it all, it all goes up and down at the same same way. It's same pitch. It won't it won't be out of tune if you bend it up or push push it down. That's what he was using on that. You were talking. It's about. a guitar. It doesn't have a headstock. And you'll only right. see him use it during the 5150 era. And then after right. that, you never saw that guitar again. That's because right. they never played Summer Nights after that and in shows. <laughs> the, I'll I, tell you what, that's one of the hardest Van Halen songs I tried to learn. Oh, yeah. I, I, never, I never got it. That was the mm. one song that, I, you know, I... You have to have that I, kind of guitar, would, really. <laughs> yeah, you have to. That one and Get Up both <laughs> use that guitar, I believe. Because Get Up is really tough to play. I could imitate it when I used to play it with my... You know, in high school, I used to learn these Van Halen songs with my best mm -hmm. friend, and he would pretend he was Alex, and I would pretend I'm Eddie. And we would look at the Van Halen poster on the wall, then we'd start playing Get Up. And I had that GNL, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, we're going to get it. And then you just never get it because he always had some sort of a trick that you couldn't achieve. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, you know, that was one, uh, I think Get Up is one that really shows off Michael Anthony's bass playing because it's right. so super fast and the bass sticks right with it. I mean, I I don't <laughs> I don't know how he, the drums, the bass, the the background vocals, I mean everything, man, it's crazy. <laughs> well, yeah. even the regular vocals, I I know that um uh, right. One time, uh, Sammy sang that, and they got done singing it, and he goes, "Man, that song about kills me every time." Yeah, <laughs> he's like so fast. Well, and you know, in the, when you're in like a cover band, yeah, we've all probably bounced in and out of cover bands in our careers or whatever. But like, I, I have kind of a rule that I won't touch certain guitar players just out of respect, you know, like whatever. And I was in a band once, and dude wanted to do Ice Cream Man. You know, I'm your Ice Cream Man. Stop me when I'm passing by or whatever. And um, I said no. 
I mean, and I could play it, but it just did not ever sound like I should play it because it wasn't Eddie doing that fucking solo. That solo in Ice Cream Man is so fucking gnarly. And uh, so I actually refused to play a song with the cover band once out of love for Eddie. You know, isn't that crazy? Even even, <laughs> even in our original band, we still play that song. And yeah. uh, you really got me. We just love... We love being, we're a reggae band, is what's funny, but we love going in. We played a show up in Michigan City uh, early this year before all the crazy stuff happened. This guy, this guy started yelling at me. He goes, I bet you can't play Eruption. I hadn't played it since I was like 13. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I pull it out, start playing it. The drummer kicks in the bass, and they're like, what? And then we went into, you really got me. And the night before that i had just seen david lee roth open up for kiss so i was like really jacked up on van halen wanting to play i was like yeah let's do this we're adding a rush i still got me this weekend to play those songs you're gonna play it this weekend is that what you said yeah we've already talked about it so oh well that's awesome man um it's, it's so dangerous to do that with guitar players and musicians that are loved right like i played this biker show not too long ago and i was sound checking to uh jimmy hendrix's uh machine gun I don't know if you know that song. Oh, I love and that. I, track. I was like, I was like testing out the sound and the fucking monitors and all this shit. And I got done playing and this is like 78 year old biker guy goes, if you're going to play Hendrix, you better do better than fucking that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've, every time I've done eruption, I used to do it like every show in another band and, it, it always went over well. So you if you pull it off, it goes uh, over well. <laughs> I, I, I was playing Eruption one night, and he goes, but you know what? You're no Steve Vai, kid. I was like 16 or something. Yes, Steve Vai can tap with all of his fingers. Let's see you do that. Then I was like, I'm, I didn't claim to be Steve Vai or Eddie Van Halen. Because I don't care. <laughs> that guy wouldn't have been happy if, you, if, like, if you'd played Paganini with oh. your – Talk on the fucking fretboard. I could have brought Steve Vai in the room and nobody would have been impressed with Steve Vai standing there. <laughs> and you know, like the only thing dude can play is smoke on the water. So he just goes to bars. That, and what, what was funny was that guy couldn't play it. That guy couldn't play anything. Like, yeah. What's the time? Those, the guys with the biggest mouth are always the ones who are the loudest in the room. And yeah. <laughs> they always think they're awesome until you tell them, Hey, you're more than welcome to come up here on stage and play it. Give it a shot, buddy. Careful of inviting you know, people up. I've had people like jump up. I, I had uh, Todd and I were playing like a duo show and I had my guitar on a uh, stand cause he was just playing and I was singing the song and a guy jumped up on stage and grabbed my guitar and says, Hey, can I jam with you guys? <laughs> and I was like, uh, we're going to play an original. Like he's like, that's okay. I can play anything. I was oh, like, brother, <laughs> you know, I actually invited a guy up on stage recently who was like, I was like, I don't know. I don't know if I could trust this guy. He goes up and then he just starts playing eruption note for note perfectly. He just showed up to this party. And I'm like, dude, like, where'd you come from? So we ended up jamming a bunch of songs with him, but it's funny. Sometimes there's only been one time where it actually worked out where somebody was like, you know, Hey, I'd like to come up and play a song. Is that cool? And most of the time it's some guy trying to play a stain song or something. <laughs> this guy comes up and he starts playing, you know, all the good stuff. Ain't talking about love and stuff like that. I'm like, dude, Whoa, you're actually good. Wow. <laughs> you know, like, the that's really impressive. 
Is it story time now? I'm going to be quick. So I was with the Moonmen in Arizona and we were playing this jazz bar and this chick was drunk and she jumped up on stage and said, I'm going to talk to the bass player for a second. Beep, bop, zip, doop, doop. The bass player went boop, 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 boop. And then she turned to me, I'm going to talk to the guitar player for a second. Zip, 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 doop, doop. And I went, flap. <laughs> I get off the fucking stage. <laughs> but, um, Go ahead, Brent. What's your thing? A friend of mine shared a video like a while ago. Um, where Foo Fighters had a guy come up and he just shredded, like they're just gonna you know yeah, kiss man. And then he like uh, kiss dude. Yeah, <laughs> he played you know like he played with them for like five songs or whatever. And then finally they're like you know fuck it you know it's cool. Oh, and I, I always like meeting them. I always like meeting people better than me, better than myself. That's always really cool. Like a guy walks in and he's like, hey, can I jam with you and. Most of the time, you always got that intention, like uh, maybe this guy won't be any good, and then he ends up being better than you. Then you mm -hmm. end up like, I gotta steal his licks. I gotta steal that. I got, I gotta, I gotta do what he's doing, you know. And then like that's how you. Be. Siege is a perfect example of someone who I I met him and I was like, I don't know about this guy. And then when I heard him play, I was like, he's possibly the best guitar player I've ever heard. Hey. Dude, you no, no, he he is incredible. By the way, well, well just just so I can be humble, guitar guy, I'm in the same situation <laughs> because I invited a guy into my new band, and when I hear Tyler Shetler play, I go, holy shit, I might have to fire him. Uh, oh yeah, I played I played gigs with I played gigs with Tyler, and he's incredible too. Yeah, dude, it's really cool to get to know like, and I I feel really honored you guys asked me to do this or Joe asked me to do this because, you know, I. I'm just a guy. I'm pretty much mostly self-taught. I learned a few things here and there from a couple of teachers, but you know, like being self-taught and everything, I, I feel really honored to be a part of this because Eddie's my hero. And I feel like I'm in the presence of some really good guitar players. You know, it's really cool. Yeah, man. But don't forget Eddie was self-taught. Mm -hmm. Eddie didn't yeah, have one fucking teacher, man. <laughs> he was what? <laughs> what was that, Edwin? I said, and Dave Grohl, too. <laughs> you yeah. were talking about Foo Fighters a minute ago. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you, you just stepped on something. Edwin, I, <laughs> I know his other favorite band is Foo Fighters. <laughs> uh, I, I love them, too. Dave's amazing. Yeah, they're they're uh, they're awesome. I've, um, I, 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 I'm, you know, famously not a fan of Nirvana at all, but, yeah, uh, yeah. but I love Foo Fighters. <laughs> <laughs> so. I, I, love, I love both of them equally, so. <laughs> And I, I love uh, I love Nirvana and Van Halen. I like them the like the same well, a lot at the same time, which was really <laughs> weird. You know, like very much so. I was like obsessed with those two, <laughs> Kurt Cobain and Eddie Van Halen, which is odd. But well, but see, that's the thing, man. Van Halen they never went to the glam rock era. So you know, when your Cinderellas and your Poisons and your L.A. Guns yeah. and even even your Guns and Roses and stuff, you know, like Van Halen kind of because they were a '70s band. People forget that yeah. Van Halen was more of a '70s arena rock band. Yeah. And um, <laughs> so even though they were wearing the sparkles and the fucking hair dye and you know all that shit, they could they could still appeal to the grungers. Um, well, and they had largely uh, left that behind when Sammy came anyway, because Sammy was a set, was, you know, was the lead singer for Montrose and, and yeah. had his own thing going. And, and when they, when they got to be Van Halen with uh, Sammy, they largely left behind all that, you know, sparkle shit and all that. And they just were what they were. It was kind of like, you know, what you were talking about with OU812. I, I feel like that was a, a record where they took off all their pretension and just yeah. made whatever the hell they wanted to make. 
and some of them were like sappy love songs and some of them were you know finish what you started which is not exactly a sappy love song and you know and stuff like that and um can i just say about that record source of infection what a song yeah what a song on that record gosh (laughs) i mean we could go all night talking about this track this track this track because it's just the catalog is insane well, you know, uh, I, I was uh, I, I was listening today, and a track that stuck out to me a little bit is kind of wild is uh, the song "Inside" on Fifty One Fifty. You know, that's what's going down on the inside, and they're like laughing and joking and talking and everything on the mic. And I feel like they just made that song up on the fly as they were recording in the studio. <laughs> I don't feel like they. It doesn't sound like they actually wrote that at all. It sounds to me like so spontaneous and completely created out of nothing. And, um, and, and yet cool, just a cool track to have as an album track, you know? Well, we were talking about jamming with other guitar players. It, it had to have been the most frustrating thing to work with Eddie because he probably came to every rehearsal with like a thousand ideas. You know? <laughs> and, and let's not forget the guitar solo to beat it, which is like, you know, oh, yeah. I'm not a huge Michael Jackson fan, but that guitar solo is legendary. Mm-hmm. It's, it's also insane. legendary that he like rearranged half the song while he was in there. Like Michael left for the to go to the bathroom or something, and right. he had like switched around half of the half of the groove to the song. Mm-hmm. And Michael came back and said, "This is killer. We're sticking with it." You know, and um, which is <laughs> wild, right? <laughs> you know, well, and, and that, that was like Eddie at the. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. I was gonna say that was just Eddie at the top of his game doing that solo it it just you could just hear it and it's playing man it's just so clean and steve lukather was the other guitar player that did all the rhythm parts in there too so he was a toto's i mean steve lukather he's oh man yeah. toto that band like the i i remember seeing a thing with david lee roth once uh, i think it was on joe rogan and he was talking about freeze-dried bands They're, like he, he said toto was like freeze-dried coffee because it's it's just you know, if you're out camping, you open up freeze-dried coffee. Doesn't matter what brand it is, it's it's perfect. And he was talking <laughs> about Toto like that. You know, they're <laughs> like they're just they're perfect in what they are. And he's when like, I, and I never want to take them out of what they are because they're so perfect like that. <laughs> when I audition drummers, they got to know how to play Rosanna. That's mm-hmm. that, that's the rule. That beat got to mm-hmm. have that. <laughs> I mean, Rosanna, like my right? Come on. <laughs> and uh, Fool in the Rain by Led Zeppelin. It's about the same, almost the same beat, I guess. <laughs> wow. Well, we were, all, we were all so spoiled as kids, you know, and I'm exempting Kit from this because he was not born because he's a young guy and doesn't know fuck all and he's going to die. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, we, we took our generation's music so for granted, you know, and so it's so refreshing to see a younger guy like Kit or, you know, people that are getting into Van Halen and, you know, even Toto, I mean, whatever. Because, like, the music of that generation will be the best America will ever produce from, like, maybe 76 to, like, maybe 85. <laughs> and um, I'm just talking compositionally and interesting music that, you know, I mean, think about, like, the guitar solo to Owner for a Lonely Heart. Or, you know, think about mm-hmm. every song was just this masterpiece. So, and Eddie was a big part of it. You know, I, I, for one, am happy that my childhood sounded like Van Halen in part. You know, that, like, I was going around oh, me car, too. Right? Yeah. And yeah, also rock fun. rock anthems too. <laughs> yeah. You know, you don't hear rock anthems anymore like they used to write them. You know, you'd have Queen writing rock anthems or Kiss or 
Van Halen, Led Zeppelin, there was always an anthem, mm-hmm. like rock and roll all night, party every day, or, you know, they, you don't hear that anymore. I don't know why. I, know, I lost my virginity to that song. <laughs> well, you, you could. You just have to listen to a Joe Shelton album. Anyway, um, what, what I was going to say is the, uh, the, the, an interesting thing uh, is that my, um, uh, it's still to this day when I get in a new car, like a different car, you know, like I'm looking to get a new car or whatever. I get in and the first thing I do is put on summer nights and turn the stereo all the way up and <laughs> take it for a test drive. I'm sure that I drive the person at the car dealership absolutely off their game you know they like it's, it's usually some old you know person they hop in the car with me to take a drive and i you know hook up my bluetooth throw on summer nights <laughs> and turn um, I, it completely up you I know do the same thing in my company car because i'm frustrated at work and i'll start singing that <laughs> this crazy snow is getting old and i'm looking at the old lady next to me at the stoplight and she's like what's wrong with that guy turning red in the face trying to hit sammy's notes yeah i mean hitting some of sammy's notes is almost impossible like yeah yeah. (laughs) it's like hey can't we take that down a couple of octaves maybe (laughs) let's michael anthony had to sing over that (laughs) i know yeah (laughs) are very underrated too what's that the vocals from van halen are underrated too Oh yeah, Eddie. Uh, Eddie sang background vocals with Michael Anthony, right? Uh, on the on the uh, on the earlier record. Yes, yes. As a matter of fact, Eddie was the lead singer before Dave Lee Roth got into the band. Eddie was singing uh, in Mammoth, as they called that band back then. Oh yeah, and I remember uh, something about that. They let they had David join the band because they were. Um, he had the PA. He had he had, he, he had a PA. <laughs> they just put him in the band so they could have it for free. So well, yeah, they were renting the PA or something, and it was costing yeah. like so much that they just put him in the band so they didn't have to pay the rent on the PA. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> hilarious. Which is, you know, an interesting way to get added to a band as a as a as a singer, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey man, I got equipment. Sign me up, brother. <laughs> oh no, dude, and and there's always the dude that's with the band just because he's got the cheddar. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, hey man, yeah. we need a three song demo tape. You want to come hang out? Sure. Oh, we're out of fucking money, buddy. Oh, don't worry, Daddy pays. <laughs> he was a money guy. Yeah, yeah. when I was nineteen, we had a twenty nine year old drummer, and that was a reason. <laughs> <laughs> he had a good job. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. A few good things about. The state of the world right now is you're not going to hear a bunch of people mangle Van Halen tunes at open mics. Uh, you mean when somebody dies, they mangle stuff at the open mic? Come on. Yeah, I mean, I'm still Petty, having flashbacks Petty, from Tom Petty dying and people playing Mary Jane over and over and over yeah. again. Uh, I keep, I hear people play that uh, puddle of mud cover of Nirvana. <laughs> that like, that's a really popular one right now that I keep hearing out. Oh like, boy. The one yeah. you don't want to hear. Okay. <laughs> well, it, it's like when, like, I, I'm convinced that one of the worst eras of my life was when Chris Cornell died. Because for me, he was like the best oh. modern singer of all time. Yeah, and then too. I had to listen to every motherfucker with a cell phone doing a cover of Chris Cornell. And it's <laughs> like, that's, that song's called Rusty Cage, and you can't sing it, 13 mm. year old girl. I, mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, uh, I, I do uh, Van Halen covers, and they sound nothing like Van Halen, just as a disclaimer. They, they, they don't. I just like the songs. 
Yeah, so like you can play and you can sing. Not everybody can. Well, but I ain't playing him anything like that. I can't sing like Sammy Hagar. <laughs> you no, know, no, even your version's like, I'm like, like any. It's just gonna be what it is. Yeah, like you just so, uh, you put out the video for Dreams. You shared that one a while ago. That was that was good. I liked it. Yeah, you know, oh, thanks, one man. One thing we never talk about is Gary Sharon. Yeah, the reason we why we don't talk about <laughs> Gary Sharon. <laughs> what? He's he's not mentioned. <laughs> Yeah, I, I will mean, say I loved him in extreme. The, <laughs> I will say that album they cut, like Eddie's playing, is really great on that too. And I, you know, when that came out, it, it is what I really I want is a version of that album jail. with no vocals. If we could, <laughs> if we could take Van Halen three and strip out the vocal and just pass it off as a karaoke track, that'd be killer. The album's not strong, but I will say, man, you know, again killer guitar licks on that record especially you know that single that's on there with that stupid music video where they're in an igloo um you know, <laughs> killer guitar work i have to say it's it's crazy because gary sharon is a great singer and i love yeah. him in extreme but it you would think it would work great no it just didn't it didn't work <laughs> at all i was just gonna say the only good thing about sharon is that he was with one of the greatest fucking guitar players of all time oh, nuno. nuno i love yeah, nuno boy uh, nuno. that tone that oh. chunky chunky that yeah <laughs> I, but that was the thing you know sharon's voice worked a lot better with the with that with that tone it did mm -hmm. not work in the in, mm -hmm. in the van halen um not just the tone but the whole vibe you yeah. know and and so that all. that's why it failed so spectacularly because he was yeah. just completely ill-fitting you know, <laughs> there, was, there, was a, there was a lot more funk in extreme and you know, say what you will about van halen but you'd never call him a funk band you know, no, they weren't about dance music. They were about rock and roll. You know, <laughs> a couple of people yeah, nobody's like, ever danced to Van Halen, Joe. I didn't mean it that way. I meant, you know, <laughs> hey, people dance to jump all the time. We play that one every weekend almost. Well, you know, but, <laughs> but there, you know, David Lee Roth was a, kind of a dance band kind of guy too, and that was part of their clash. You know, mm -hmm. he wanted to do more. Um, oh yeah, more of that yeah, style of music. And, yeah. And and Eddie wasn't into it, <laughs> and Alex wasn't into it, and Michael Anthony wasn't into it. So they're you know clashing with him all the time. Mm -hmm. They try to get Patty Smythe, and then also either I forget if it's Hall or else they invited one of them in the band too. They declined. But could you imagine Van Halen with Patty Smith? Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> you cannot be serious. You're really wild. Your husband. Be really wild. <laughs> I, I lost uh, a talent show. I played Eruption at a talent show when I was 13, and I lost to a guy with a puppet that <laughs> just didn't do ventriloquism. Practice. True story. <laughs> uh, he had a, like a CD playing, singing, and, the, and he just used the puppet to sing the song, and it, it strummed a fake guitar. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Hey, hey, the, guy, the guy was like 40-something years old, and I was like 13. Yeah, yeah, I feel your pain, buddy. My first gig of all time was at a church uh, uh, auditorium, and my singer a week before the show said, "Hey, Siege, you could you could play fucking Fly to the Wounded Bumblebee, right?" <laughs> and for that week, I didn't shower. I learned that thing. I nailed it on stage, and my girlfriend went home with another dude that I think was in a punk band. Oh, <laughs> look at that bitch! You know how they play. 
I put I put this story on Facebook. Uh, you guys have probably seen it. Who have me on there? Um, I when I was about eight or nine, I got the first Van Halen album on CD. Uh, my parents had to order it on eBay for me because nobody had it in the stores. So I had this CD, and I went on a trip with my grandparents, and we were in Madison, Indiana, and they're like, "Oh, put in put anything in the CD player that you want to bring with you." And I brought Van Halen one. They hear "Running with the Devil," and the whole car goes silent. And my grandma <laughs> turns around and goes, "Are they saying running with the devil?" <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, why? Oh my gosh! I mean, I got screamed at. <laughs> yeah, out of the CD player. You know what I think about this? This is Satan. This is devil music, and you're going straight to hell. She chucks that thing like a frisbee out in the bridge somewhere in Madison, Indiana. You know, and uh, I, well, I mean, to be, I, fair, to be fair, Kate, you are going to hell, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> if it's, you know, I gave my life to Van Halen. What can I say? And ACDC and all that evil stuff. They say. Not not to listen to, but I was given a lecture for about an hour about why I shouldn't listen to the devil's music. And <laughs> and then what happened? I wanted it even more. You know, I'm like, oh, man, that's great. I just pissed my grandparents off. So you melted like, your grandparents' face off with Van Halen 1. And oh, it, it, it freaked them out. It won't really do that again. <laughs> well, that, that's kind of surprising because out of all of those bands back in the day, I you know you could kind of say that Van Halen was kind of wholesome. I mean, they were all about sex and drugs and booze and all that, but you know they weren't Dio. You know, like I mean, you, you couldn't listen to them and go, "This is not fun." You know, we didn't we didn't even get to eruption on the CD. That, that, that CD was chucked out the window. Man. I just skip track one. I was wanting to hear eruption so bad. I was like, "Come on, come on, let's make it to eruption." Jesus, did you grow, did you grow up in the movie Footloose? Oh, boy. It's possible. What, what's really cool is like my parents have always been really cool, and you know my dad really loves Van Halen, and that's how I got into it. And he's always told me, "If you want to learn to play like anybody, it should be like him or Jimmy Page." That was always the other one. That was, that you was should be able to find that CD because there's nothing else in Madison, Indiana. <laughs> Aren't those guys on the Mount Rushmore of guitar players, though? You know, when you think about the, the what's the Mount Rushmore of guitar players, you're like Jimmy Page, Eddie Van Halen, Jimi Hendrix, you know, uh, and, and who? Zappa. Zappa. You know, that would be your fourth. Or Les Paul. Or I, Steve mine's Bob. Les Paul. <laughs> Randy Rose. Mine's probably be Les Paul, Merle Travis, Eddie Van Halen. Probably Jimmy Page. I would go with those three. Uh, you might just need three. <laughs> I, I would put those three in Gary Richrath from uh, REO Speedwagon as my fourth. I, I don't know anything revolutionary he did. He was just Turkey really Trot, good. man. The flying Turkey <laughs> Trot. On the, and, I on love the, him. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about revolutionary. He was just so amazing. And uh, and he was one of the first guys that went and did one of those, you know, really outrageously crazy solos that brought the whole crowd into the show um, in the 70s. And, um, you know, uh, right before Eddie and uh, hit, you know. So, if you were stuck on an island, what Van Halen album would you guys say you want to be stuck with forever? <sighs> um, is it cheating to go like best of both worlds? 
the, the, the greatest hits double album. <laughs> if that's what you want, it's your choice. Yeah, we're we're in a modern era of technology. I want like a five thousand terabyte hard like external hard drive. With it. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I mean of the studio records, I would I would probably want to be stuck with fifty one fifty myself. Yeah, I, know. I mean, I'd, I'd be OU812, obviously. I mean, it's, I'm in 1984 or Van Halen 1. I don't, oh, I don't know. Ooh. He's going to have to flip a coin for his. Mm-hmm. What about Kit? I, I think Kit's kind of the more hardcore Van Halen archive scholar here. What, what's your pick for the Desert Island? Uh, I would go with Women and Children first. Yeah. That is a killer record, man. Front to back. Oh. Killer record. I think that everybody wants some off that record is definitely, you know, one of their top 10 songs, um, yeah. you know, of all, you know, all the records I'd, if I was picking like top 10 songs, I'd probably pick five DLR and five Hagar ones, you know, uh, the top five of each. And I would say that everybody wants some as one in my top five DLR tunes. <laughs> I love that one. And, um, beautiful girls and, um, and you know, Panama, I, the, those are uh, probably my top three <laughs> DLR songs. <laughs> so uh, there's all good ones. There's no bad ones. I don't. I don't know of bad ones. You know, except for Van Halen three. I mean, I pretty much like them all. <laughs> What's your guys' favorite song to play of his of theirs? Uh, well, I don't know if it's my favorite song to play in its entirety. But because I'm a finger style guy, I love to play the intro Too Hot for Teacher because it's kind of so much like LaGrange by ZZ Top. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of got that same little A jive going on. And there's just something about clunking on that, you know, and that great little pentatonic slide up to the eighth fret he does at the end. Because like so many people try to do it. And it's actually open five, six, seven, eight, seven, right? And so, like, to do it right, you got it's cool. So, yeah, uh, <laughs> I just love to play with that. That do damn damn to get to him. I'm to say, yeah, go ahead, Joe. Oh, I was going to say that Dreams is definitely what I would play. Um, I, and uh, it's been in my show for six years, like, <laughs> so, uh, go get, uh, I'd say Cathedral because I like getting that delay pedal going and it's like the one song that's really impressive when you're in a room full of great guitar players. Yeah, yeah. It's like, Oh, what can you do? I, I just love pulling out that song because it's such a, such an oddball. And it's not really like a Vant Halen song. It's just Eddie and the delay pedal being really cool. Pretty much. Edwin, my favorite. I don't get to play it in any band right now. I don't know what's going on with this, but I love Panama. Of course, you know, I love to play that one. It's my favorite. I play so many different other ones in both in two different bands I've played in. We played at least two in the band I'm in now. So what band wouldn't want to play that song? Yeah. Well, I'm sure I could talk them into it if I had to. The way he falls into that solo. You know, and the whole band stops. It's just oh, I'm the one. Yeah. <laughs> I get excited. Sorry. Oh yeah, me too. <laughs> I, I love that video where they're playing that award ceremony and they play Panama. Like Taylor Swift introduces Van Halen, and it's just they're playing to a crowd that is just 
not, you know, anywhere close to the talent, in my opinion, these people in the crowd, (laughs) these guys on stage. And it's just hilarious because they're just rocking the, just rocking out and they don't give a fuck. You know, they're just going out there and mm-hmm. shredded up, just melting faces. And I just love <laughs> it. I, I just love seeing that because it's just, you know, this time period, you know, there's just not much of that going on right now yeah. as far as mu- the music business. I love uh, uh, an interesting Panama story with uh, regard to um, uh, Van Halen is that I remember seeing uh, at one of the shows uh, live, they came back out for an encore and um, uh, Sammy's like, what do you guys want us to play? And Eddie's going, I want to play. There's only one way to rock, you know, the Sammy song. Mm -hmm. And Sammy's like, yeah, that's fine, but I want to play Panama. And and, and it's like, that's not even one of the Van Hagar, you know, Van Hagar era song. He's like, I want to do Panama. You know, that's just what I want to do. And, And then they ended up doing both of them. <laughs> yeah. So you better. <laughs> so it was really cool. Mentioned those two songs. Jeez. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, uh, there's only one way to rock with uh Eddie adding his flourish to that. Mm-hmm. I mean, absolutely killer uh riff anyway, and then Eddie goes wild on it. I mean, if you ever saw Eddie play There's Only One Way to Rock Live. Yeah. You know, oh, hmm. not, well, yeah. Yeah, we did. I mean, they, he, I know mm-hmm. they played it that day. Uh but that's a uh I mean, it's amazing what he did with it because it was already so iconic, you know, that song, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Hey, hey Joe. Yes. Joe Shell, yes. Since you, invited, since you invited guitar players on that you thought w- would do it, do you mind if I actually pose a question to all the guitar players, these fine musicians you got up here? No problem, man. Go. Cool. So I've been thinking about this, and it's like I just want to ask Kit and everybody else. It's like what is your favorite technique that Eddie did? You know, the, the taps, the hammers, the harmonica. I mean, like, like when you think of Eddie Van Halen and you think he did that, like, what is the, like, for me, it was the right hand butterfly picking, right? Like, what's your favorite thing that Eddie did magically on the fretboard? I'm not a guitar uh, player, but my favorite thing was him making awesome sounds coming out of the guitar. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Shoot, man. Eruption was like a, 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 a textbook classroom, you know, on this rock guitar. It happened. happened you, People learn tapping just from that song, you know, because it started the tapping craze. And uh, I mean, that's just something you everybody has to learn. And then you got, yeah, you got to do the trill. You got to you got to have that right hand going to do the eruption too. You got it all in there. You got to pick. He does the the hammer on pull offs, and then he picks on the next string doing this. What, what are you doing, Eddie? What are you Amazing doing? How much he threw in the one like in three seconds? He oh does like three things. Yeah, the things he what, does. What one of my favorite things he did was the pick slides. How yeah. he would get them so loud and so scratchy, sound like yeah, dude. It's just like it sounds like a rocket. Like <laughs> it's unreal. I I don't know. That's how I describe it. You know, yeah. it's like my my favorite technique that he used was when he played pound cake and he took that drill and he put it like oh, an actual it. power yeah. drill and stuck it on the strings to make that thing happen at the start of it. Mm-hmm. And he would actually do that in the show. He had like a fucking cordless drill and he'd come out there and set it up against the strings to make that thing happen. I yeah. mean, who, who does that? Like, Which I mean, I remember seeing cool. in the video the first time and going, what, mm-hmm. what is he? Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> I just, <laughs> just want to know Stevens with the, the gun and rebel. Yell he does there, that little, little toy gun. He makes the sound with, he'll get it close to the guitar back then is what he did. <laughs> I just want to know where do you get one of those drills with the uh, the Frankenstein? 
That was real. That's, that was the cool part. I always wanted accessories, one. Accessories, you know, from Ernie Ball. And... <laughs> yeah, who made that drill is what I'd like to know. Black and Decker or something. He just painted it. There, there's one thing that Eddie Van Halen did that I learned from Eddie Van Halen that I do every show. And remember, I'm not even the biggest Eddie Van Halen fanboy, right? But every show you see, I will do one thing that I learned directly from him. And it's the full bend tap release. So you, you, bend, oh, yeah. you bend the string and then you tap like maybe two whole steps up and, and pull off and drop it. Yeah. And for me, that, yeah, <laughs> dude, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Cool. Well, you know, right, I think uh, again, Joe. <laughs> that's okay. I, I'm gonna, we're going to wrap it up right now. I thank you guys for joining the show and uh, you know, you can stick around for the after party, but thanks for everybody for listening to us here on moonshine and music. Moonshine and Music is a presentation of Not Less Entertainment. Copyright 2020, all rights reserved. The producer for today's show was Joe Shelton. Our cameraman grip and stunt double was Brent Lee Smith. On cameras and all sorts of other things, Bailey Shelton. And our staff guru is Brent Schlemmer. Join us each Sunday for new episodes right here with Moonshine.